Hey guys. Welcome. This is Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Bren. And I'm Kelsey. And we are so excited, as usual, for this week's episode. Yes. Especially recording today. I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. I'm really excited. The coffee. I'm excited about the whole day. I know. Well, we took off a couple weeks from recording. Even though we still had things for you guys. Yeah, we ourselves. We are behind. Took off. (laughs) We had a lot going on. Yeah. Lots of traveling, and we needed to take... Uh, like a break. So now we need to play catch up this these next couple weeks. We will get there. <laughs> I have faith. So what's been happening lately, Kels? Tell me. Tell me all about it. So, okay, I haven't told you this. I was honestly nervous about telling anyone, but I'm just going to put it on my podcast so everyone can hear. <laughs> um, so I had a really fucked up dream the other night, and it was extremely vivid. Okay. Um, basically, I was at a hotel room, like, for some reason. I don't know why I was there. And I was, like, laying in bed. Like, everything was normal. And then, like, the last thing I remember, like, in my dream, Mm -hmm. like, me being in the dream, the last thing I remembered was hearing, like, having this horrible feeling and hearing, like, a growling almost. Oh, God. And then... I love how you clarified that this is a dream. (laughs) Yes, this is a dream. Um, And... Then basically, like, in my dream, I was sleeping, and I woke up, Mm -hmm. and my entire body, it looked like I got hit by a car. Like, my, I was black and blue from, like, head to toe. My face was so puffy, like, that it looked like I was in a car accident. Like, I broke my, like, bones in my face. And I, like, immediately, like, I couldn't remember anything, and I immediately FaceTimed, like, a family or a friend, I can't remember. And they were like, what the fuck happened? And I was like... I don't know. The last thing I heard was this growling and then I wake up and I felt like, honestly, I felt like there was like an entity that had possessed me and it like completely like destroyed my body. In your dream. In my dream. Let's clarify, this is a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And I woke up from it in like a cold sweat, like from the actual dream. I woke up and a cold sweat and that's all I had of the dream. Ew. But it was fucking terrifying and so vivid. Like I remember looking in the mirror and seeing, like, everything being bruised. Ew. Yeah. It was That's disgusting. disturbing. I told Carson, he's like, what the fuck? I'm like, I know. Everyone's That's, probably gonna think I'm crazy. That's severely disturbing. Yeah. It was Ugh. really weird. Speaking of vivid dreams, just so you don't feel alone on this one. <laughs> yeah. Talk about yours. I've had very vivid dreams lately, too. And actually, I just saw... I just tried to find it so I could state facts, but couldn't find it. I think it was on Instagram that I saw the other day that vivid dreams have been a common thing lately. I know we've mentioned in the past that there have been articles that COVID has produced vivid dreams in people, but I saw online the other day that the moon cycle we're in has been making people's dreams more vivid. I don't know how accurate that is, but I'm highly affected by that kind of stuff. I'm very sensitive to to change in certain things in, in in the environment. So I believe that that's probably what's happening with me. Right. Anyway, I had this dream the other night, probably like four or five days ago. That's what mine was. Really? Yeah. Ew. Yeah, that's weird. Oh. Well, mine was, I was possessed in a different way. <laughs> I was bearing child. She was my, with child. I was with child in my dream. I was pregnant, <laughs> but it was the creepiest thing in a way because I felt everything in my dream like I actually felt like I was pregnant and then my water broke I felt my water break in my dreams it was so intense I felt myself giving birth to a child what the fuck hopefully in real life that's what it's like because in my dream I was able to withstand the pain right but I felt everything it was so, so strange. It was so strange. And I've I've never given birth to a child, so I really don't know what that feels like. But in my dream, I felt it. So was it a boy or a girl? <laughs> it was a girl in my dream. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. Hopefully, yeah. maybe that'll happen one day. Mm, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. That's so funny, though, <laughs> that it was, like, both that vivid and, like, weird. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. But are we ready to get into our coffee review? Yeah, I'm pumped. Woohoo. So do you want to talk first about how yeah. this company kind of got in contact with us? And- yeah. So Carson and I recently went to Brooklyn for a weekend just for fun. We were, you know, it was Memorial Day weekend and we were like, let's just go. 
So we went and like randomly found this coffee place because we were walking around and um, it's called Sweet Leaf Coffee. And we walked in, we were like, it looks cool because it was like pouring rain. The inside is beautiful. It has like brick, exposed brick walls and uh, chandeliers and really cool older furniture. Um, so we got coffee and I was like, I wonder like if I said something to them, if like mentioned the podcast, if they'd, you know, give us anything. But mm-hmm. then I like second guessed it and I was like, you know what? It's going to come off as unprofessional because I'm like here on vacation kind of and I don't have anything to like give them. So we decided to message them after the fact I got back. So I reached out to them and they sent us some good stuff. Real good stuff. Real good. This episode will not be the last you hear about them. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, too, that when I went in there on their, like, um, menu board up front, it said something along the lines of, don't quote me, like, um, if you're not here for the rocket fuel, you should be, or you should be, you should have tried it already, or something like that. Aww. And I was like, what's the rocket fuel? Like, damn, I should have gotten that, because I got a hot coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, um, today we are going to be reviewing their rocket fuel. Yeah. Very excited about this one. Yes. So, side note, for all of our listeners that haven't been to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you should go just in general because most places I feel like in Brooklyn are like that where it's exposed brick and just absolutely stunning the thing that's so cool about the area where this coffee shop was into is like you would never guess just like by walking down the street that you'd walk into something as beautiful as like that not saying that the place the area was bad or anything but it was just like a normal road and then you walk in and even from the street you're like "Mm, let's see and you walk in and it's like beautiful yeah i feel like a lot of the buildings there are just vintagey and like hidden too yeah hidden little gems like they're hip and funky and unique and it was very crowded there too like there was a lot of people so the people definitely know about their coffee wow yeah all right so if you would like to check them out before we get into it just because i'm going to be reading something from their website their website is sweetleafcoffee.com their instagram is sweetleafnyc And here's a little blurb that they put on their website. Sweetleaf Coffee is the perfect blend of art and science. Sweetleaf was founded in 2008 by Rich Nieto. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. (laughs) A Queens native who wanted to roast coffee that reflects New York City. Diverse, sophisticated, and decidedly unique. Great coffee isn't just consumed, it's experienced. At Sweetleaf, we are continually experimenting and refining to create a distinct experience that sets us apart. Ah. And my God, you have been their set coffee apart. set them apart. <laughs> I think the, so the one that we're reviewing, I'm pretty sure is like their staple in their shop. Um, it looks like it's like reviewed a lot and people are obsessed with it and we know why now. Mm-hmm. So again, the one that we're reviewing is called Rocket Fuel. And it's an iced coffee. It's fucking delicious. It's so good. (laughs) The cutest thing, too, they sent a package of a few things, so you'll be hearing of more of their coffees later, but they sent the rocket fuel um, surrounded by, like, little ice packs so it would stay cool. Yeah. It was really sweet. Um, So I'm going to read a little bit about the rocket fuel, and this is from their website. So it says, uh, the ingredients are sweet leaf cold brew blend. Mm-hmm chicory, and Vermont maple syrup. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. And it says, highly addictive, highly delicious, and be sure to wear protective clothing at all times. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So adorable. Yeah. It's, um, they have all different sizes of, like, the rocket fuel too, and they can, um, ship it out. So, you can go on their website and order it if you feel like you want to try And for those who are going to try the rocket fuel, it says it on the bottle, but you do mix this Mm 50-50 with some kind of milk or milk alternative. They suggested oat milk to us, which is what I used for mine anyway. You put a little in yours, right? I did a little bit of oat milk and a little bit of almond milk, and holy shit. Yeah, because this rocket fuel is concentrated coffee. Yes. So... It's a concentrate, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Let's get into how it tastes. Go ahead, you can start. Bomb. (laughs) (laughs) My rocket ship is in fucking outer space. I'm I'm gone. I've been there. I've experienced. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can now call me the Rocket Man. <laughs> I'm a Rocket Man. A rocket Man. Insert Rocket Man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, it uh, immediately. So so, it, that's so I was gonna smooth. say. Immediately, you. This is the smoothest coffee I've literally ever tasted in my life. Yeah. And it's like creamy and uh, just so full of flavor. It's unreal. It's so worth it. You know how Will Ferrell says milk was a bad choice? Mm-hmm. Oat milk was a good choice. <laughs> With this one. <laughs> the opposite. So if you drink this, put the oat milk like they suggested because mm. it just... The combination of this rocket fuel and the oat milk... This is one of the best coffees I've ever had. Ever. Ever. <laughs> no wonder. And here's some quotes, actually, from some New York City um, magazines and stuff and news channels. One says... Quote, best ice drinks drinks in New York City. Um, another one says, make sure to equip yourself with rocket fuel. Mm. Yeah. And then the other one is, how every New York City borough dweller should start their day. And I agree. Oh, so good. Well, what do you we, taste? Um, I think I do taste that chicory. Like the earthy. Like the earthy, woody mm-hmm. kind of. But not where it's overbearing, where you're like... Ew, this coffee was plucked from nature. Yeah. Like, I I enjoy it. And I do, too. It's a strong coffee, but it's so smooth. It's not... So easy to drink. Yeah, it's not like it's bitter or anything like that, but it's strong. And I feel like we got this coffee at the perfect time because it is blazing hot outside. <laughs> so, if you're looking for a good summer coffee, like an iced coffee, this is, this is what you need to get. We're like, thank you, Jesus. We are drinking iced coffee today. Yeah. And... Not only did we try this when we made it downstairs, mom wanted to try it. Yeah. Casey wanted to try it. Carson even took a little sip. He which did because he was like, "What's the hype?" <laughs> yeah, which is rare. <laughs> Carson doesn't drink coffee. Probably shouldn't have started with rocket fuel. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah." He just doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't but get it. Mom and Casey were both like, "This is the best fucking coffee we've ever had." Even Casey was like, "Oh my god." Yeah, mom was like, "This is my." my coffee drink of the summer. Yeah. So she's ordering more, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. There, she's coming for you, sweet leaf. <laughs> but um, I definitely taste the chicory as well, and mm-hmm. I taste the the Vermont maple syrup at the end as, like, the sweet. The sweetness. Yeah, the yeah. little... Psh, like, yeah. I don't even know. It doesn't taste like full-blown maple. Yeah. But it is sweet. The little sweet bite yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And we drank this with no added sugar... No coffee creamer. We didn't fuck put are we? creamer or sweetener in this yeah. because we were like, we don't even need to. No. What? I even brought it upstairs. So I was like, maybe we can put some in and we didn't, literally didn't even need to. Yeah. Oh, Which delicious. is also very healthy, not having to use creamer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that boost of the day. Get it, boost. Okay. The time has come. The walrus said. Do you know what that's from? (laughs) I was like, what? The walrus? Alice in Wonderland. No. The time has come to give your bean rating. Okay. Drum roll, please. Hopefully all our listeners are drumming. (laughs) Because I'm not. (laughs) I am going to give this one a 9, 9.5. Yeah. I'm trying You heard it. Yeah, uh, you heard it straight from the source. I'm trying not to give it... I'm not trying to get, like, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I wanted to give this a 9.5. Right. And I'd give it a 9 as well. I'd probably stay at the 9 level because it's so hard. Like, we've, we're not going to physically be able to to taste every single coffee. So we, it's like, we can't really give anything a 10. Mm-hmm. You know? Mom said she would give this a 10. Yeah. She said this is 10 out of 10. This is the best coffee. <laughs> but she's a little tried. bit of a coffee snob. So yeah. Take that as you will. I would definitely give this like a nine, nine and a half as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and the only other coffee that we've given this high it's is uh, OG Hades from Fable Ground. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to tell where else the this locations? is located? Yeah. yeah. So they have four locations. One, they're in New York, um, but one's in Center Boule- on Center Boulevard. One's in Greenpoint. One's in Jackson Ave, and the other one's in Queens Plaza. So yeah. there's four different locations. All of them are cute as hell. Some of them are in Long Island City. Some yeah. of them are in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, yeah, I cannot wait to visit because I have not been there in person yet. So and we Let will me just tell you, it was so perfect on a rainy day because they had their, um, 
like garage door type of things open. Aww. It was so perfect on a rainy day just to sit in there and they have like these older, at least in the Greenpoint location, they have these older street lights inside. Oh my god. So freaking cool. Such a vibe. Yeah. We hope you are willing to try this coffee because it's you will worth not it. be disappointed. <laughs> it is fucking worth it. Yes. And you'll hear more, like I said, from them in the future. We have a few other coffees that they were so generous enough to send us. Actually, they not only sent us the iced coffee, the regular beans, and they also sent a coffee mug with their logo on it. So amazing. Yeah, very supportive, very nice, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, sweetly, if we completely appreciate you. We're so grateful for all our coffee companies that are willing to send us stuff. You guys are the best. (laughs) Seriously, it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. Right? Next time we go, we'll have to bring them some stickers and stuff. For sure. We actually, they have inspired us because after Kelsey came back from New York, Mm -hmm. And I was somewhere recently where we were like, we need to keep stickers on us at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I could have given this to them and that could have been like an opening. Like, oh, here, this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I was like, I feel kind of weird just going up there and being like, hi, I have a crime (laughs) podcast. Can I have some coffee? (laughs) Yeah. So. But thank you, Sweet Leaf. We love you. Yes. Thank you so much. You ready to get started? Yep. Okay. Grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Okay, so this week's episode is actually listener suggested by one of my coworkers. Um, she listens. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if every episode, but she does listen. She's mentioned a couple things that we've talked about, and she's like, "You guys should look into this. I've heard it before on a podcast, and I think you need to cover it because it's insane." She gave me a little brief um, rundown of everything, Aww. and yeah, I was like, "I'm definitely looking into that. We're gonna do it." Well, thanks so much for listening and for suggesting. Yes. We appreciate it. I love it. So today's case is about a girl named Jalea Rose Davis. And a little bit about Jalea. She was the daughter of Kimberly Nolan Davis. She was born in Colorado Springs on November 2nd, 1991. So she was 20 years old at the time of this event. She had a sister named, I hope I'm pronouncing her full name right, uh, Tabiana Davis. And she's referred as referred to as Tobby for the rest of the episode. So we're just going to call her Tobby. Um, They were 19 months apart in age. So they were very, very close. They were best friends. And Jalea actually graduated from Marietta High School in 2010 and talked of becoming a nurse in the future. Oh, she had aspirations. Yeah. She worked at Hollister Company with her sister. She loved animals. She was known to be a night owl, which was actually like kind of a joke that her mom has talked about with her wanting to go into nursing because she's like, oh, you could just, like, Perfect take all the night shifts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was known to be tough and can hold her own. She actually got into some, like, fights in high school, mm-hmm. but probably for good reason, as did I in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she also had a really, really huge heart. Aww. Yeah. And she loved music and was very creative. She taught herself how to crochet. And she was also very popular and had a lot of friends. Something that I had listened to with her mom talking about it, she said she actually didn't know how, like, well-known and well-liked her daughter was till after she passed. She thought she was... Yeah, she thought she was just, like, you know, like, your typical 20-year-old who hung out with people there and here and there, but... She said when she passed and the Facebook page and stuff was made for her, like, all of these people were coming, commenting, and she's like, oh my god, I had no idea how many <sighs> lives she touched. Wow. Yeah. So, on to the day in, that this case is pretty much surrounded by. Um, Friday, November 18th, 2011. The location of this event was in Marietta, Ohio. Jalea left her home at 5 p.m. to meet and hang out with Kristen Bechtold. Um, It may have actually been after 6 p.m. by the time she did this. There have been a few inaccuracies and contradictions between police reports and articles. So sometime between between 5 and 6, she left to go hang out with Kristen Bechtold. Emily Nestor points out uh, in her podcast, The Mile Marker 181, that this was just a few inaccuracies. There was multiple inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about her podcast in a little bit, but um, it's called Mile Marker 181. 
So Kristen was a friend that she had for several months before this night. Some of other some other friends that were there were Jordan Campbell, Freddie Scott, and Katie Nelson. So she was texting her mom and her sister, who again, her mom is Kim and her sister is Tobby, throughout the night. So moving on to Saturday, November 19th, 2011. This continues on from the no- November 18th. This was just the night continuing into really early morning. Right. So November 19th, she initially planned to stay at a friend's house that night, but her sister Tavi received a call from Jalea at 3.28 a.m. asking her to come pick her up from the gas station down the road. This was a BP gas station at the end of Rosemar Road in North Parkersburg. In the background of the call, Tavi heard... Jalea asking someone to give her her keys back. So, that already there is kind of weird, like receiving a phone call from your sister. Yeah. Where at she's like, 3 30 in the morning. Back. Yeah. Yeah. So then around 3 33 a.m., at that point of the second phone call, she asked her sister to pick her up at a rest stop off Interstate 77 across the border in West Virginia instead of the gas station. And this was a welcome center in Williamstown. So she wanted to change the location of where she was getting picked up. Yeah. She said Julia was hysterical and cursing while yelling her friend's name, specifically calling out Kristen Bechtold's name. And Toby obviously questioned what was wrong, and Julia said she would explain once she saw her in person. So she never really knew the full reason of what was going on. Like, what was happening, why they were arguing, or, you know, why she was hysterical Mm -hmm. on the phone the second time she'd called. Yeah. Which, I mean, later on we can get into things we've heard and situations that also we have thought about could be a possibility. Right. But not proven. Nothing's proven. Um, At 3.36 a.m., there was another outgoing call from Julia to Tabi but it was missed, and this call was 26 seconds long. They, her sister, actually, I had heard that she never even remembered getting this call, and she's like, it's kind of strange, because I had my phone right by me, because I knew some stuff was going on, Yeah. and I, no, I never saw Got this call. call, but from reports from the police, and looking at her phone records, like, the call did happen, she just somehow Didn't missed it. it. Maybe, yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, even here... We have bad service here, and this was a thought that popped through my mind. We have bad service here, and sometimes people call me, and I never, like, even get it. Even get it, but it would probably show up. Yeah, Yeah. but it would probably show up on a phone report that, like, a phone log that the call was made. Right. Yeah. So phone calls started coming into the police after these calls happened with her sister. Mm -hmm. The first call came in at 3.42 a.m., and there was a mention of a car on the side of the road by a guardrail from the caller. Mm -hmm. The second call came in at 3.48 a.m., and there was then mention of a body in the passing lane of I-77 North. And then a third call came in at either around 3.52 a.m. or 3.58 a.m., Again, there was deferring info depending on the article or the podcast that we listened to. Yeah. So, um, that call between 352 or 358 was the same night, obviously, that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was 15 minutes after the last connected call to her sister, Tabby. Mm -hmm. So, there was a lot going on during this time, but 15 minutes had passed where... Um, she had talked to her sister and then the police were starting to get these calls about something being on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. So emergency room operators received a call from a truck driver that found Jalea's body on the side of the interstate. He reported that her body was naked from the waist up, her leg was broken, and her right breast was missing or partially torn. Oh my god. And then that she was decapitated as well. So sad. Yeah. Tabby was actually driving around looking for her sister because she, you know, was trying to find her uh, at the pickup point that she had mentioned, Mm -hmm. and she actually drove up and came upon the crime scene that had happened. I can't imagine what she went, what she is still go, probably still going through for the rest of her life. And I read on a Facebook post that we'll talk about the Facebook later. 
she had mentioned early on after this had all happened that she was, like, besides, like, pedestrians and, like, bystanders, she was, like, the first one there. Yeah. Which is horrific. Wow. So, a random side note, at 3.50 a.m., Tabby also called Kristen to see if she knew where her sister was, and there was no answer. She then called her again at 3.53 a.m. and talked to Kristen for 70 seconds. Mm. So, just keep that in the back of your mind. Police... (laughs) Police. Police arrived shortly after Tabby had arrived to the crime scene, and according to the crash team... She had been struck by her own vehicle and then subsequently by one or two semi-trucks. Yeah, which is absolutely awful. I know that there was a a bystander that was there, though, that said she was visibly dead before a semi-truck hit Hit her. her. So, obviously, something happened before these other trucks came along and hit her. Right. And... It was in no way, shape, or form these trucks' faults because I heard on one podcast that I listened to as well that um, when a a semi-truck sees, like, a car pulled over on the side of the road or lights flashing or someone walking with a flashlight, Mm -hmm. so on, which they saw at this point a bystander over by the car. Yeah. They are known to then move over towards the, it would be left lane. The passing the, lane. Yeah, to move over that way to get out of that, out of the way of the people on the side of the road. Yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah. And they didn't know that there was a body in the road until after. after. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was also actually initially reported as a quote-unquote possible homicide incident, and this can be seen on a few incident reports that we'll talk about later. Um, aside from uh, the her body, her bra, a shirt, and a coat were draped over the guardrail, and a coat was, the coat that was over the guardrail was covered in blood. One article actually said that her clothes were neatly folded on the guardrail, Um, with her bra being on top of the shirt and the shirt being on top of the coat. Fucking strange. Which would be in the order of how it would be taken off. Yeah. Pretty much. But then I read in other articles that it was the opposite way. It was the bra, the shirt, the coat, but that doesn't really make a huge difference. Either way, none of that explains why her, all of her clothing above her waist would be taken off. Like, even in an, an incident, like... Is horrific that she went through. How is it that all three of those items were taken off and just on the guardrail? Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. And if anything, if they were somehow ripped off of her in the case of an accident, first of all, the clothing would be, like, shredded. Yeah. Or you would see, like, patterns on the clothing of that happening, or there would be clothing stuck in the guardrail. It wouldn't be all neatly near each other or on top of each other, draped or folded or whatever. Like, that's not pot. That's not how it would work. Right. I think the point of that was just, like, that somebody mentioned in the article, like, it's just not how it was, it would have been for what they're assuming would happen. Definitely not. Yeah. So, further down the road was Julia's car, which was a Kia Optima that was still running. The car was in gear, and all of the doors were fucking locked, (laughs) which, like, that also just doesn't make sense. It's weird. Yeah. Headlights were on, and the driver's side airbag was deployed. The car damage was insignificant, but the passenger side window was smashed. And there was also blood stained on the trunk of the car. The undercarriage and the interior of the car were never sprayed with a reagent. And a reagent is something like luminol. Mm-hmm. And only the front and right side of the vehicle were tested with a reagent. Which makes no fucking sense. And why wouldn't you test the inside of the car? <laughs> or the undercarriage, like, yeah. to see if... She was run over somehow. Yeah, by the car. Yeah, if one of if one of the potential theories was that she could have been, like, dragged by the car mm-hmm. somehow. Like, if she got out and left the car in gear by accident and was run... Who knows, you know? Why wouldn't you check the undercarriage of it? Yeah. Or... It doesn't make any sense. 
the interior of it to see if anything happened inside the car. And with... Remember, this happened on I-77. This is an interstate. Like, you're moving at very high speeds. And for her to have been decapitated and, like, the the damage to her car be so insignificant, it just yeah. doesn't add up. No. No, because if her car... Let's say somehow she did get out of the car and lock herself out. Yeah. Or if... Even if she... <clears throat> hit something and flew out of the car, the car would then not be still moving at a speed that fucking fast. Right. Where it just she stops would be ri- a mile. Yeah, yeah, she would be decapitated or injured that badly, and then there's no fucking damage on the car. The thing that's most eerie to me is they found her car, I think it was 82 feet from her, yeah. from her body, completely stopped. Like, but still... But in gear, still like in not gear, in park. Still in gear. The headlights were still on, and the doors were locked. Like mm-hmm. that, just I don't know. The whole thing is just so strange. And it was in a, a straight path by the guardrail, like not in the middle of the road. Right. It didn't crash into anything no. to stop. No, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Like I, I said to you earlier, sometimes to see if like my alignment's off, I'll like lightly take my hands off the wheel, my car will freaking turn. Like, it doesn't just stay perfectly straight. Yeah. That makes no sense, especially if you just had hit a guardrail and been in an accident. Like, things are gonna be off on your car if that happens. Right. Doesn't really make sense. Okay. Anyway, getting back to it, around 4.03 a.m., Kristen, remember this was Julia's friend, makes unanswered calls to Tobby for five minutes straight. And around 7.35 a.m., this is the same morning, investigators head to Vienna, West Virginia to talk to Kristen Bechtold, and there is no answer at the house, even though they can clearly see that there's a car in the driveway. Yeah, I actually, I don't, I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard on um, another, from another source that mm-hmm. when they pulled up to the driveway... There was two cars parked there, or a few, more than two, um, and one car had been completely frosted over from the night, mm-hmm. like, had hard frost on it, and the other one had just barely started to frost over. I had heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, around 9.51 a.m., Kristen calls Toby three times with no answer, and 11.45 a.m., Kristen again calls Toby three times with no answer, so Toby was just, like, not like, answering her I calls couldn't, at this point. Yeah, I yeah. don't blame her. Yeah. 7 o'clock p.m., police go back to the Bechtold house, and her father, this is Kristen's father, says she will not talk to investigators until she spoke with her lawyer. So she already she got a had lawyer a lawyer. That day. But he was like, until she speaks this through with the lawyer, she's not talking to you. Which, granted, okay, maybe some people... I mean, it depends on the situation. Maybe some people will lawyer up like that just because of other cases they've heard that might freak them out or something, you know? Like, I don't want to be caught in a situation where I'm going to get accused of something. Hearing about what had happened and being the last person to have been with her is... Yeah. But at the same time, if you're not guilty of anything or have nothing to hide and one of your friends just passed away whether you I mean at this point I don't I'm assuming she knew about it yeah because uh she had spoken with Toby Mm -hmm. like that um she was missing and stuff Mm -hmm. even if she had known about it wouldn't you want to know what happened to your friend yeah if you weren't involved like I'd be like what the fuck is going on and maybe that's why she was calling Toby so many times to be like like, what what is is happening happening? but in which case why wouldn't you talk to investigators to be like what happened? No Where's idea. my friend? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. Yeah. I so, don't know. anyway, moving on. November 19th, Katie and Chris were interviewed. Remember, these were two people that Jalea uh, was with. That night. That yeah. night. November 21st, Freddie was interviewed. And November 22nd, Kristen was finally interviewed. And there were also three latent prints that were pulled from the driver's door window of Julia's car on the 19th. 
and there's really not much not more much. about those prints. So. There's pictures of them um, on the Facebook that we'll talk about, but there's really not much more other than it just being known that there was three prints. On the driver's door window. Yeah. Which, like, whose were those and why? I mean, even if it came back that it was, like, one of her friends, if they had an explanation for that, okay. Like, maybe they were, like, knocking on her window to be like, are you okay? But in which case, just say that. Yeah. I don't know. So now we're going to get into the aftermath of what happened, obviously, after that day. And I just want to throw in there, I know we had already mentioned that, um... Kristen Bechtold got a lawyer really quickly, but I just also read somewhere that she returned Jalea's keychain to the police that same day as well. So take that as you will, but I read that somewhere. Mm. So a 16-month investigation occurred after to find out, you know, or try to find out what happened. Mm -hmm. There is video footage at 3.32 a.m. the morning that Jalea died Um, Freddie Scott, which is one of the guys that she was with that night, is on video pulling out of the McDonald's drive-thru with two other people in the car. According to Katie's statement, uh, this was her, Freddie, and Kristen in the car. So those were the three people. 3.32 a.m. was on the timestamp at the McDonald's footage. So Mm -hmm. just keep that number in mind. And remember, 3.33 a.m. was when Jalea called Tabby for the second time. Can we pause for a second and talk about this McDonald's? Because I have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, like, as mentioned, we listened to some podcasts about this as well. Because online, there's not too much information. It's kind of repetitive in articles with the same information. So, we wanted to get more information. And we listened... I listened to um, the Mile Marker podcast, which... We're going to briefly mention towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just to get more detailed information because sh- the girl who had that podcast was able to dig a little deeper and the mom, uh, Julia's mom, had released reports to her and given her copies of things. So she was able to get a lot more information than is what on the, like, what's on the internet. Yeah, she was able to get it out. Yeah. So... Something that stands out to me about the McDonald's, which this girl mentioned in her podcast, was the McDonald's, if she was driving from, they said they dropped her off, according to them, they dropped Julia off at her car at someone's house where she left it before they went out that night. Right. And then they're saying they went to this McDonald's and they were caught on video at 3.32 a.m. Mm-hmm. According to this podcaster, to drive from this house where her car was dropped off, where she was going to get her car and then meet her sister, mm-hmm. to the, the McDonald's, according to her GPS, it was eight minutes at, like, the shortest amount of time you can get there. Right. And according to this, it would have had to taken them because we didn't mention to you guys, but Kristen was apparently... Well, we somewhat mentioned it. Kristen was apparently present for that first conversation conversation with Julia and her sister mm-hmm. because her sister heard her, met, like, talking to Kristen in the background. Yeah, the first call that she said, come and get me. Right. So, she, we know she was there for the first phone call. Mm-hmm. If she was there for at least the first phone call and then they were at the McDonald's by 3.32 or leaving McDonald's by 3.32, that would have meant that it took them four minutes to get there, yeah. which is completely impossible and people have done drives to see if it's possible and it's completely impossible so in that case I'm like okay were they actually somewhere else beforehand Mm -hmm. and it took them four minutes to drive from wherever they were to the McDonald's and they're lying about where they were beforehand or is the McDonald's because we all know CCTV can be a little fucked up with no, with, like, timestamps. Yeah. Is the McDonald's timestamp off and it actually wasn't 3.32 a.m. and it was, like, later than that? Yeah. Or are they lying about something else and her car was actually parked somewhere else and they didn't drop her off there? Yeah, like, like regardless, there was something that was wrong from, 
the what they told. Yeah, like story. something isn't adding up no matter what. No matter yeah. what perspective you look at it, even if you play devil's advocate and you're like, oh, the McDonald's timestamp's off. Okay, it couldn't have been that far off where, yeah. I mean, even if it was, like, something's not making sense. Yeah. It was off for some reason and... I don't know. Think what you will, but we'll get into theories at the end. Yeah. So, during this investigation is when they came up with all the CCTV footage and the times and everything, but police eventually came to the conclusion that Jalea was driving. She was subsequently ejected from the passenger side window after hitting a guardrail and then was hit by a tractor trailer in the passing traffic lane. I don't see how that's possible. I don't either. I'm not, like, moral, we're not scientists or whatever and trajectory professionalists, but if that even is a thing. But I don't see how that's possible. I don't either. Like, how do you get ejected from the window by scraping? Like, you can see her car. It was sideswiped by the guardrail, but there was really no other damage other than the shattered window. Right, and if there, the damage isn't that extreme... How is it so extreme that the car is not fucked up, but so extreme that she, she can got fly ejected. through the passenger side window? First of all, typically, I would think if you're hitting something like that, if anything, like we talked about, you're going to go the opposite way of what mm-hmm. you hit. Yeah. And like I, a couple years ago, was in a head-on collision with someone who was driving drunk, and I saw them coming beforehand, and I went as far over to my right as I could. So, I was scraping my car against a guardrail like that. Yeah. And I don't see how you could possibly fly out of a passenger side window. I feel like it was an escape. It, like, it was a way for the investigators to come up with something. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how it even was... So, her death was actually ruled by the Ohio Medical Examiner's Office to be an accident, and they said it was partially due to alcohol being involved in the situation. All right, so we hadn't mentioned this, but something that they did that night as a group Mm -hmm. was they apparently were at someone's house beforehand, kind of pre-gamed, and then went out to a bar. Mm -hmm. So... She clearly did have alcohol in her system, but I'm thinking that's part of the reason she called her sister to pick her up. I was just going to say, if she was, like, coherent and aware enough to say, come and pick me up... Yeah. I don't know. If she's telling her sister to pick her up from somewhere, why would she be, like, speeding or whatever to go somewhere else? Right. And then them saying that that was part of the reason. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't... The whole thing doesn't add up. Even if... And even if that was the case, that she was heading one way to meet her sister, mm-hmm. I don't see how it, even if an accident did happen, what, how they're saying, what they're saying makes sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so after they ruled it an accident, the Wood County Sheriff's Office closed the case, and it has been closed since. Mm-hmm. Private investigators and Jalea's mother, who, remember, her name is Kim, stand by the idea that she was struck by her own car and then hit her head on the guardrail post. Um, So they're saying that what the police ruled an accident and how they said the accident had happened is not how it actually happened, and it was a different way. And I think, honestly, what her mother is saying makes a lot more sense than what the police had ruled. Mm. There's actually interview transcripts. Of investigators saying, towards the beginning of all this, that she was struck with her own car. Yeah. So. Right. Like, wouldn't you delve in then as to how you could possibly be struck by your own car Mm -hmm. hard enough to kill you, but not leave any damage on your car? Yeah. And wouldn't you then check the underside of the car? To see if there was anything. Like, if someone was run over by it? Right. I don't understand why certain things weren't done in this case. Whether you believe one thing or not, like, whether you believe she was murdered or whether you believe it was a complete accident that happened, why not check the evidence you have to verify? Yeah. 
check everything you possibly can. Yeah. They had the car. They could have checked everything. Right. That doesn't really make sense. Anyway, a theory that spun off of this was that someone was driving at high speed and hit Julia's head against the guardrail as the car dragged her body 82 feet down the road. And Julia's mom, Kim, has said that three of the people with Julia, Kristen Bechtold, Katie Nelson, and Freddie Scott, were kids or grandkids of former or current Parkersburg police officers. So, we'll leave that at that. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to, like, talk about a little before we move forward was the whole thing with with her hitting her head on the guardrail as well. Yeah. Like, as we just said before, the whole passenger side window thing doesn't even make sense in itself with how yeah. you would fly out that way. Something I, wa- I wanted to point out, which also does not make sense to me, is if she were to fly out of the driver's side window, let's say that that did happen, right? Mm-hmm. Hit her head on the guardrail, right? Okay. Flying out of the passenger side window doesn't make sense, but let's say it could happen. Yeah. Hit her head on the guardrail. How would she then flip back the other way, land on top of the car, roll over the hood of the car, hit the trunk, and then get dragged, and then have the car, like, eventually release her, and then the car keeps rolling down the road? And how does, how not can that to mention, happen? her clothes were neatly laying on the guardrail, <laughs> like, at the end of all of it. How does that happen? I don't know. Like, how could that possibly happen. I don't see how you could even possibly fly out one way, hit the guardrail, fly back the other way, and happen to, like, roll over your car right onto the trunk and hit the ground, and then somehow the car is still dragging you. And how do you, like, like, make it out from a seated position? Like, I get being ejected forward right. through the windshield. Right. But how are you ejected sideways? Like, and fit perfectly through the window. I feel like that would only happen if something was hitting you from the driver's side, like, and you were getting thrown the other way. Not if right. you're hitting the but opposite like, even side. The, like, how would you fit perfectly out the window? You know what I mean? Like, you're a... Like, I mean, just the window smash. Yeah, it's a smaller car. She was an adult. Like, she would have had to have been perfectly placed to fit out the window. Yeah. And I had read that there, or heard one of the two, that there was also, like, not to get too graphic, but there was blood and body matter, brain mm-hmm. matter everywhere. Yeah. And they did not find much on this broken window. Yeah, like, I'm Which, sorry. Which, how? She had to go through that first. That doesn't make any sense why there wouldn't be any blood there. Yeah. Yeah. That should have been the first place where, I don't know, it just, the whole thing doesn't make any sense, and clearly after a 16-month investigation, I feel like they're still not at the conclusion. I mean, and if they're, if part of the thing they're saying as well, like, if one theory is that she was being dragged by the car, mm-hmm. that right there should make you check the undercarriage of the car. Yeah. Like, to see if she was dragged and the thing or if is someone with, hit her by accident yeah and the thing is with this case is like there was so much like media coverage of the like of what had happened but really no like hardcore like Follow police up. reports yeah. interviews like it was weird it was the like a weird case to research in that sense because there was really no like hard facts aside from like media coverage yeah i mean We as podcasters try to do our best to remain unbiased with certain things, but we're trying to come from every perspective of it, which is why we've said devils at playing devil's advocate with certain things. Right, different theories. But ultimately, I don't think it makes sense enough where they could have closed this case. Mm -mm. Especially if, like, one of the first things you're saying as an investigator before you're ruling anything, like, One of the first things you're saying when looking at the situation is potential homicide and she could have been run over by someone Mm -hmm. or, like, things are weird. Like, how can you then close this case in 16 months and say it was an accident? Yeah. I don't... That just doesn't make sense. Without having the 
it be like public knowledge of like what happened during the investigation and why they decided to rule yeah. things out. Yeah. And like not doing every single possible test you could do yeah. to rule things out. That's just I don't know. I I could see why her family is still not okay with this. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. In 2013, Ember Stafford, who claimed to be a witness to the accident, was sentenced to six months in jail for making a false report. She had said that she saw another car force Julia's car off the road, which caused the accident. And police investigated these claims for about 30 hours, and then Stafford reportedly admitted to lying. Like, where did that even come from, though? I don't know. Like, why would she, like, come forward? Like, come forward and then recant that. I can think of a couple things. Yeah, I Either, can number one, she wanted to insert herself in the investigation. To this get is just something. a theory. I'm not saying that's what she did. Or, I mean, it's been seen in documentaries and stuff when people put pressure on you for 30 hours, people put pressure on you long enough. Maybe she was just like, fuck like, this, I, I want to go it. home. Or you start to get so tired, you're not even thinking clearly. Who knows? Right. Or she was, like, coerced into saying something else. By someone else? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And in April 2013, the internet activist group Anonymous claimed members would take action to expose alleged police cover-up in this case. But nothing has come from that since, so... Yeah. Sadly, Anonymous... Anonymous, if anyone from Anonymous is listening, release some information. Keep it up. Yeah. yeah. I used to like Anonymous. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, some of the, I mean, there was one case. I forget who, what case it was. Maybe we can look this up and cover it in the future. There was one case that Anonymous released video footage and all this shit about, and it came out. I wonder why they haven't shared anything then. With this one? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, even if it turns out that someone's theory in this case was right Mm -hmm. it's better than not knowing the answer at all right so um we always like to try to end things with something happy and as horrific as this case was um these are the quote-unquote happy things that came from them um Jalia's mother Kim and her sister Tobby Davis continued to try to keep the case in the public eye and talked about through the Facebook page that we had mentioned and it's actually called Justice for Jalea. So we tried to do cases and talk about cases that are less well known for this reason. Mm-hmm. We want to have people's stories brought up that they feel that there's not been justice and they need people to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't as much in the public eye or has faded out of the public eye for yeah. whatever reason when they're just as important as everyone else. Yeah. Justice deserves to be served for all of these victims and their families. Yeah. So, her mother, Kim, on the Facebook page, shares files that she obtained from the Freedom of Information Act, and they continue to ask questions and demand answers surrounding the death of Julia. In 2018, Emily Nestor, who we had talked about um, earlier, she's the, the creator of the podcast Mile Marker 181. If you'd like to listen to her podcast, she does do a deeper dive, um episode by episode of Julia's case. She grew up in the area, but never actually met Julia. Um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything about Emily other than that. Yeah. Well, a reason that we definitely wanted to include this, we have to give credit where credit is due. And her podcast did provide us with a lot of insider knowledge because Kim, as mentioned, had shared files with her to cover this case. Yeah. So, and she did have a lot of good information. Yeah, and it, she this podcast also includes a lot of information about the alibis that the potential people, people involved gave. Yeah. Which is interesting because there's a lot of contradicting statements and things that don't add up. So if you want to get into that side of it, I like I, that's why I listen to it. Yeah. But we don't want to dive that much deeper into that podcast just because there have been since yes the podcast has come out there have been issues with the family and her and of course we kind of want to 
respect the family and support whatever right perspective they're giving on it because they knew Julia the best. Yeah, and they, they mean the most out of all of the people that are involved, and I don't want to give, you know fame, so to speak, to somebody that has been causing them pain. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately, Julia's family just wants justice. And we support anything that's going to give Julia justice. Yeah. So in 2019, her case was on an episode of the ID Channel show, Still a Mystery. And her mother and sister were on the show and hopes that it can help bring more attention to the case. Yeah, on the Facebook page, her mom shares a few times the link to that episode, so you can check it out. Mm-hmm. And one year ago, a petition was started on change.org addressed to Senator Michael F. Bennett to resolve the case and give the proper punishment to any individuals involved, yeah. which I think is incredible. And it takes yeah. two seconds to sign the freaking petition. I think they were looking for 25,000 signatures, and they're at, like, 15,000. Yeah. So... Well, it's 25 that, let me see exactly what it says because it's actually a big deal. It's 25,000 signatures for this petition to become one of the top signed on change.org, which is incredible and hopefully gets people looking and noticing. And I mean, it takes a lot to reopen a case. Yeah. So hopefully... But it has been done. Yeah, it has been. And hopefully... Um, in this situation, whether what they have down right now is the true outcome or not, things should be open to be further looked into, yeah, Yeah, and proven to the family that that was the case, instead of just being like, oh, no, that's what it is, and that's that, and have them have to deal with that without proper answers. Yeah. Justice for Jalea was the perfect name for For the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so, as always, we will include in our resources the Facebook page, the podcast link, the um, obituary where we got some information from, other sources, and then that peti- petition link as well. Uh, there's also a GoFundMe link that we'll put in there that was started by a family member. I believe it was her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, go check that out if you feel so inclined to donate there as well. Yeah. I hope ultimately justice is served for her because, I mean, she more than deserves it and so does her family. I know. And this case really just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Like... No matter what way you slice it. Yeah. Uh, There has to be answers somewhere with even just simple things as to how certain things happen. Like the timeline. Yeah, and they have enough evidence that they could investigate further in order to provide a little more of a conclusion. Yeah. Go check out the Facebook page, though. There's some great resources and um, information and pictures that her mom has posted. Is there anything that we said we were going to mention earlier that we didn't really touch upon? I don't Different theories or anything like so. that? We kind of discussed Yeah, I think that. we talked all of about all the theories. Yeah. Um, I would personally like to know if anyone has this answer... How far the McDonald's was from the mile marker where she was found. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. my curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure somebody has that. Yeah. yeah. We kind of tried to look into that, but it was hard to find the exact, that on a GPS. Right. Yeah. But I'm not saying that that has anything to do with it. I'm just wondering. That's just yeah. something that came to my mind. Tonight. Like, you have to look at everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, Literally every little every detail. detail. Yeah. So, we hope we did her case justice with the information we had without delving too much into uh, specific details of the case. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Alrighty. Do we have anything else we want to add in before we go? I don't think so. Do you? Besides how amazing our listeners are. Yes. We (laughs) love you guys. And, I mean, I think we just always like to point out that we try to make our podcast more so about the victims and their families than any perpetrator involved. And in this case, who knows if that was what it was or not, but no matter what. There's still unanswered questions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Until next week. Bye. See ya. 
For more information regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.